Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another session of Global Answers. This is Lonnie on this end and our guest over here, Brother Stephen Strew, who we'll hear from in, in just a moment. I wanted to introduce to you our concept of where we're going today. And I'm going to be using a little bit more of scripture. We normally have quite a bit of dialogue and there will be that also. But we want to go into some scripture on a subject we touched on months ago about shadows, types, uh, allegories uh, in the Bible. And the reason we want to do that is because we want you as believers to see how rich and deep the Bible really is. And only a God could lay out the things that we're going to talk about today and then continually bring them forward in a repeat manner, in a repeat manner, to actually controlling world events to cause them to match the Word of God, which was in his mind before the foundation of the world. And so before I get into my first little parable here, I just wanted to see if our brother Stephen has anything you want to say to the people. Obviously, once again, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here, Brother Lonnie. And uh, I, uh, it's a, one of the topics that um, I, I love so much because it shows the precision mm -hmm. of, of Scripture. Yeah. And uh, when, we, when we think of Scripture and we believe we're putting our eternal life in, uh, in uh, the hands, so to speak, of this word. We're putting ourselves mm -hmm. in, in God's hands and we want to feel confident mm -hmm. that uh, what we're doing is right and many times we'll be challenged. And uh, one of the things that I always go back to is how it always seems to be the same, right from Genesis through to mm -hmm. Revelation. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the same God operating in the same way, mm -hmm. following the same pattern that he lays out in the beginning. He's not a God who changes his mind. Mm -hmm. He's not a God that can improve on, on an idea once, mm -hmm. he, once he gets an idea. It stays that way all the way through the scripture. And, and so we see that it's another example of the inerrancy of the Bible, that we can look at these patterns, these shadows from the Old Testament and from the parables and see how God has masterminded this whole plan. And uh, then to believe that I'm part of that plan, mm -hmm. that's the greatest thing. And uh, that's, that's one of the reasons. I, this is one of my favorite topics. My mind is already drifting from our talk topic <laughs> <laughs> by something you said, and that is God sets a pattern right. and then follows, follows the pattern continually. And, and I remember on some of the messages of William Branham, and he, he took us to the concept of Jezebel and Ahab. Right. And how Jezebel brought forward into the New Testament, of course, represents a false church. Mm -hmm. And then this false church was, Jezebel was married to a, a true Israelite, but he'd backslid, and right. so there was a mix now of a true religion and a false religion. And then when this thing was coming into power, there was an Elijah on the scene. Mm. And so then he jumped that allegory completely forward to here in America, our first Catholic president was elected and put in the position of power and authority with the church behind him right. and ran that exact same parallel with and another then, Elijah ministry on the scene at correct, the same time. Correct, exactly. And at the very same time of all the years 
that it's taken for God to reuse the spirit of Elijah like he did on John the Baptist and then to reuse it again this day and then God to reset the scene and put an Ahab back on the mm. throne with a Jezebel behind him. My. I thought, my, how great God is. And that was the very time Elijah came. Yeah. And, and that was the very thing that he cried out against was that Jezebel spirit. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. spirit of, uh, of a dominating woman representing a dominating church. Right. That wanted to, do, to take the authority away from Christ. Yes, right. And uh, take it for herself. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. In the Church Age book, Brother Bram says it very hard, friends, very hard. He says, a dominating woman has the spirit of the Roman church in her, no matter how much she vehemently denies it. My. But it shows it that it's that uh, dominating spirit. Christ is to lead the church, not the church dominate, dominate the people. It actually reminds me of something that A.W. Tozer said um, in one of his books that I read. And uh, he, he said, um, the church today... Um, has so little regard for the headship of Christ mm -hmm. that when they have their council meetings or their, their church synods or whatever these meetings are where many churches get together and they make decisions regarding doctrine or, or uh, liturgy or something that they're going to do in the church and they maybe say a perfunctory prayer and then uh, they expect for the rest of the meeting that the head of the church would just remain, remain uh, silent in the corner while they get on with making the real decisions. And it was interesting the way he portrayed that mm -hmm. as um, they will give, they'll pay lip service to the headship of Christ, but the real decisions are made without consultation, without the Holy Spirit's uh, involvement. Well, when, when we see the direction the church has gone today with the decisions they made, and you and I both know that to put a woman in a ministerial position or in a leadership in church is absolutely contrary to scripture. Right. No matter how much the, the women's feminist movement wants, wants that and how much our governments are, are bowing to, the, to that powerful movement, but still the Christian has to stay with the scripture no matter what politics they have to stay with the scripture. There's, there's, uh, I remember the first time I, uh, I had, well, uh, let me back up. When I, when I was in the charismatic move, and we were strong into the gifts of the Spirit. And then we, we, somebody uh, ran across that scripture where Paul says, let the women remain silent in the churches as also saith the law. And I went back and I searched and I searched and I searched the law trying to find <laughs> where it told the women to be silent. Right. And I couldn't find anything. And I thought, what does Paul mean by that? What does Paul mean by that? And then I... And then when I came into the message of the hour and I heard Brother Branham quote that scripture, my ears perked up, what's he going to say? And he said, the law spoke by its silence because it gave her no position, no authority. And authority must be given by a higher authority. And if right. the higher authority doesn't give it, then we don't have it. Then, right. then we're usurping authority and that's back to the spirit of the dominating woman again. Right. You see, the church it's, it's, taking authority. It's tremendous, uh, Brother Lonnie. And one thing that uh, will on some of these programs, Brother Jeff would be here, yeah. and uh, he's mentioned in one of his uh, sermons that um, if a woman, if a minister is supposed to represent Christ to the church as a as a as a shepherd, as as a, as a helper, as it were, for Christ, then if that's a female and the church is represented as a female, then the interaction between mm -hmm. the pastor and the church would not be a a biblical relationship. Yeah, In fact, that that would be a uh, a a woman on woman relationship, yeah, which is right. uh, which is an abomination to God. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. Very contrary to Scripture. So the cr principle is Christ and the church is the relationship of a man and his wife. Yeah, Ephesians it's, 5, husband, right. husband and wife again. Christ is the husband of the church. Right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it can't be a woman. No. That, that would break the pattern. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're talking about, of patterns and shadows. Yeah, right. Break the pattern. Well, that's, that's one we finally got on our subject <laughs> again. Now, let me, let me start off a little bit with my notes. Excuse us for deviating a little bit here. Let me give you some of my, some of my notes. Colossians 2.17, uh, Paul is writing, he says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. And he's been talking about the law. And so then the word shadow, we look it up in the Greek, and it says an image cast by an object and representing the form of that object or a sketch or outline or adumbration. And I have to admit, friends, my <laughs> vocabulary was not big enough. I didn't understand the word adumbration. So I looked it up, and it's a beautiful word for our subject of shadows. And it says the act of providing a vague advance indication, a prefigure indistinctly or a foreshadow, to disclose partially shadow or obscure. And to, excuse me, to disclose partially shadow or obscure. And so th that's, that's this subject we're talking about. But God hides these things in there and then brings something to pass and then opens up the scripture and says, see, I showed you already <laughs> what it was. And he'd already laid out the pattern right before us. Just as we talked about the Ahab and Jezebel pattern laid down in Scripture, how God exactly followed that pattern right here in America again back in about 1963, somewhere around there. And so God, once he sets a pattern when major events are going to happen, he'll follow the same pattern. I remember Brother Branham one time told his audience, he, said, he, says, I'm, he says, I'm searching the Scripture right now to find the pattern. Where are we in mm. God's program? Because he knew that God would repeat, right. repeat the cycle in some way. Now, my, my next one here. I want to, we, not only do I want to mention about shadows of things to come, which, which are delightful, and I know we won't get into all of them in one program. We'll probably have to continue in a second program. So shadows show us things that are come as God lays down this obscure pattern in the Old Testament and then brings it to light later when he's going to bring it out clearly. And then the other one is Proverbs. And we often only think of a proverb as some uh, obscure kind of saying, kind of darkly mystifying. <laughs> but pro uh, proverbs not only are obscure sayings, but they also can be prophetic. And we want to touch on just a little bit of those too. So the proverbs are not just cute sayings in the Bible that we read and say, wasn't that nice or a poetic little thing. It actually, there, there's... There's meaning and indication Amen. all the way through Scripture. There are no idle words in the Scripture. We may not be able to find the meaning, right. and to us it may be idle, but to God it's not idle. He put it in there for a purpose. And we know, friends, that a lot of our theologians in our seminaries today are trying to explain how much of the Bible is not inspired. And, of course, there are those religions on earth that say that the uh, uh, Jews uh, messed up the word in the Old Testament and the Gentiles messed up the words, excuse me, the Christian church messed up the word in the New Testament. And there is absolutely no historical proof of that. None, none, none. The, both, both the Jewish church and the Christian church have done everything in their power to keep a pure word. However, Bible publishers, now that's a different thing, <laughs> because once uh, uh, something like the original Bible, let's say the King James Bible, and then which is the one that we, we feel is the most accurate, once the King James Bible has come out and then, and then time has gone on, 
the, the publisher can't make as much money off of that anymore. So then they, they work up a new version of the Bible that they convince you is for your benefit, but it really wasn't per se for your benefit. It was because now they could put a patent on it and they could have an exclusive in printing it. So we have to realize that as the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. So when we see something supposedly new and better, just like from a pharmaceutical company, it's probably because they can renew their patent and make more money off of it. So always be skeptical. And for my advice to you is read the King James Version. If you read English, read the King James Bible. It's a little bit tough at first to stumble through the these and thous, but uh, you soon get used to that and it doesn't, doesn't mean anything then. Let's go on now just a little bit. We were talking about parables and I want to show you something about this. Now, Jesus was speaking of a shepherd and how he leads the sheep and how the sheep recognize his voice. That's in John 10, 6. And then I'm just going to read the, out of the Bible now. It says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things there were which he spake unto them. So he was speaking in parables and they couldn't understand it. So then, but Jesus speaks to his disciples about his soon departure from them and his death on the cross, and he, that you're going to be sad. He says, but then it'll turn to joy. But of course, he's referring to because there'll be, because there'll be a resurrection. And then he encourages them to pray in his name, and the Father will answer. Then he says, these things have I spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall speak no more unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you the Father plainly. That's in uh, John 16, 25. Then jumping to verse 28, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Next verse, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now you speak plainly and doesn't, don't speak in a proverb because they caught that part of it. But the part they weren't catching was that he, he told them in here, the Father loves you. Don't be hesitant to go to the Father. Don't be hesitant to ask Him things. And if you ask in my name, He'll give it to you. If the Father Amen. loves you also. And he says, but you'll understand these things later. Yeah. And, then, and then He goes on to say, one day you'll know that I'm in the Father, the Father in you, I in you, and you in me. And people read that and they say, what does He mean? Well, we understand that today. I won't right. go into it. In case you don't, you can write to us. We'll tell you what it means. But I don't want to go into that. That's, that's not our, our subject today. So now let me, let me go on just a little bit further now in these allegories. Now we, talk, we saw where Jesus talked in Proverbs and yet there was deep meaning there and it's still being fulfilled today because God is opening up to our understanding more and more of what he meant back then. And then now here's Peter and he writes about a category of people as within the framework of the church, that's important for you to catch, and then concludes the matter with an Old Testament proverb to give understanding. So now he's, he's talking about people within the framework. And then he says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanness and despise government. They don't want to be subject to anything or anybody. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of those things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. We have a lot of this in pulpits right in the Christian churches speaking evil of those things just because they don't understand. Next verse. And shall re receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime spots they are blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you 
Now here's the parable. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And so now he has taken an Old Testament proverb and moved it right up, and he's quoting from Proverbs 26, 11, which says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his, to his folly. So the dog returning to the vomit is the, is the key line. Solomon in Proverbs said, a fool will return to his folly, and then uh, the same principle then, notice the principle then, Peter takes and said these people that play around with the Word of God and don't get converted, mm. they're going to go right back to their old ways. And you can take a sow or a pig and wash it up and put a blue <laughs> ribbon around its neck and do whatever you want to do with it. Let it go and it'll go right back to the mire again because we haven't changed its nature. And that's what happens right within Christianity. People come, profess Christ, and then get religious but they don't get a hold of Christ, so their nature is unchanged. They'll go right back to the mire again, but many of them still continue going to church, but they go right back. And then in Corinthians, Paul writes about that kind. 1 Corinthians 3.1 And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. For I have fed you with milk and not with meat. You're yet carnal, envying, strife, divisions. Are you not yet carnal? And walk as men... Some saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. And are you not carnal? So as soon as we get these divisions of which man we're going to follow or which elite leader, maybe we see him on television or something, we're, we're manifesting our carnality. Jesus Christ wants to lead the church and Jesus Christ is the living word in every age. Amen. That's how he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is the same in every age. He is the word of the scripture that steps out into flesh and lives out in Amen. an age. And that's, that's the living God. So as a dog goes to his vomit, these people will go back to their old ways. There's another, there's several parables in Matthew 13, and, and Brother Stephen and I were talking about these just, just before we came on the air. And one of them is dramatically prophetic, and that's the parable of the wheat and the tares. And I think that's a powerful, powerful, that starts at Matthew 24, and uh, 13, 13, Matthew 13, 24. And that one is significant to us, friends, because the application of the interpretation of that prophetic parable is taking place around us exactly today. And I'd just like to ask Brother Stephen if he'd like to make any comments on that particular parable. I think, uh, Brother Lonnie, just to go back and confirm what you were saying earlier, just before uh, Jesus starts to um, unveil all of these parables, because as you know, there's seven different parables in right. chapter 13 that are very prophetic. And Jesus talks about uh, um, the, the sower that went forth to sow, and many people know that parable. But what I find significant is that Jesus, uh, in answering the disciples, just like he did in John, they said, why do you speak to us in parables? And uh, Jesus says in verse uh, 11 of Matthew 13, and he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. Amen. 
Now we realize that Jesus is very discriminatory right. as to who he will reveal right. truth to. And uh, we know the scripture says, and to whom the Father will reveal him. Amen. There is a, a condition yeah. of the heart that is necessary right. to be in the place where you can receive truth. Right. Uh, God is not going to indiscriminately try and convince people contrary to their will. As the old saying goes, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Yeah, and right. so if God tried to do that, he would, uh, he'd be, in a sense, we'd say wasting his time. He doesn't do that. He waits for us to have the desire, which of course, as we know, there's something in the, the heart of man that desires these things. And if that is there and, they're, and, they're, and they recognize their, their desire, then God is eager to come and show them. But Jesus is saying it's given to you, to his disciples, but to them it's not given. And he goes on to say, and he quotes an Old Testament scripture in Isaiah, but he goes on to say this, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. And so he's putting the onus right back on them. That's not because I don't want to tell them. It's because they have done this. Mm -hmm. They have uh, closed their heart, closed their ears, closed their eyes. He says, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Let me interject here. You opened up a, a kind of another subject and I want to just touch on it. You mentioned that there were seven, seven parables in Matthew 13 and there are seven church ages in right. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we find that we can take those seven parables and exactly lay them over Correct. the seven church ages. And so the first one is the sower went forth to sow. And then he says, and the, and the seed is the word of God when he explains the parable. And that was, that was the Apostle Paul's ministry. He was the angel unto the church of Ephesus, right to the angel of the church. He was God's messenger to the church of Ephesus. And so he was the seed sower in that, in that very first age. And so the word of God started out in that first age and each each of these parables you can lay over Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and, and uh, Laodicea, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so they, they, they parallel. And so the seed sower went forth and it was to be sown into the hearts of men. But then the, each church age ends with he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. And so then many of us get our ears plugged up by theology that some man-made thing has studied out and we had to study it out through the years. There was no choice about it through the years. We, we study, study, study. But this is an age where God has sent, thus saith the Lord, on many of these things. So now we're into a different era. It isn't what I can study out. It's what has God said. And that's, that's what's really important to, for us to have ears to hear what the Spirit saith to the churches, not what tradition said to the churches. Amen. Go ahead, Brother. Now, and and the, the principle that you were just uh, outlining, Brother Lonnie, is that God is speaking to each age. Amen. Just as each parable has its unique character, so God was speaking to the church in each age right. in a unique way. And He's doing the same thing today. Absolutely. And it's in a unique way. And uh, as one, as, in fact, I think it was Brother Branham that actually said this, um, is that if you try to live in the light of a previous age, you're warming yourself at a painted fire. Right. And yeah. so we have the light from a previous age that we can see back in the past. 
but it isn't shining uh, the light for our footstep today. God prov- promised that he would that the word of God would be a lamp to our path and a light to our footstep. So each step that we take, God is shining a light on that footstep. Okay, let's go, let's take it back to an Old Testament shadow now. When the manna fell, which was their food, right. and we know that we're the feed on the word of God, feeds the spirit man. But when the manna fell on a particular day, he says, don't you dare try to carry it over till the next Amen. day because it'll, it got worms in it and right. it got stinky. And so on the Sabbath or seventh day, then they could carry over. But, but on the other days, they couldn't carry it over. And so God sends a message to each age, unveils a portion of scripture to each age. That's manna for that day. Don't try to carry it over to the next Amen. day. And that's the error of organized religion. They build a fence around the manna that fell yesterday and remain on that manna, but God is giving more manna, more manna, more manna, unveiling it. But it's not, it's not new. It's not outside of Scripture. It absolutely has to be the Bible. Absolutely has to be the Bible. Um, and uh, while, we're in the, while we're with Moses, since our time is running short, we might as well yeah. finish this out with Moses, is uh, Moses... Um, uh, was told to to smite the rock the first time for right. water to come out of it. Yeah. Now, we know from Paul that the rock was Christ right. and that the people were dying of thirst and the right. water flowed out of the rock and that gave them life. Right. And that's what would happen with Christ. He would be crucified at Calvary. He would be smitten, as it were, at Calvary and the waters of life would throw out, flow out of him and we would get eternal life. We would live. We were that are hungry and thirsty. We would be fed and we would be watered through the sacrifice that Christ made. But then he hit the rock the second time. Mm-hmm. And now we know that was not what God intended, and yet it was still prophetic. Amen. Because in this day, because they've rejected Christ um, in, this, in, this, uh, in His Word as it is revealed today, not as it was revealed 2,000 years, but as it's revealed today, they've rejected Him again. It was symbolized by Moses smiting the rock. And the water life came out, yes. but uh, they never got the blessing uh, because they rejected the Word crucified Christ the second time and Christ is the living Word. Amen. So when God sent, friends, such a vindicated ministry in this last day and the church systems, every one of them came against it. It was a second crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but foreshadowed by a shadow in the Old Testament of Moses smiting the rock twice. How perfect is the Word of God. We want you to love your Bibles, friends. Amen. We're wrapping up here. We're closing out. And the next session, we're going to get into this thing. And we'll pick up on the parable of the wheat and the tares. Join back in with us again. God bless you. Stay with us. Bye-bye. We speak about the second crucifixion of Christ and Moses smiting the rock twice. And those may be new terms to you. And you may want to say, well, Where's scripture for that? The principle is, of course, that traditional churches have rejected what God has sent. And in the Laodicean church age, Revelation 3.20, it shows Jesus Christ on the outside of the church knocking for whosoever will to hear and come out. And that's Revelations 18.4, come out of her, my people. Today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, 
Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.